Hi there, and welcome to Even If, a weekly podcast about standing firm when life is shaking. I'm your host, Kelly Strife. Strife rhymes with wife. And together, we're finding the courage to approach uncertain and unwanted seasons of life through a posture of faith that stands firm and declares, even if he doesn't, he is still good. I was so excited when I realized this podcast was going to launch right in the middle of Holy Week, the days leading up to the death and resurrection of Jesus, because I thought, what better time to start this journey of becoming even if people than in the middle of the most massive if we could ever imagine. The next few days in this week pack the range of emotions and feelings that we have in these even if moments into a few days. And for most of us, the range of emotions doesn't shift so quickly in our own lives. Perspective doesn't come so fast. But this gives us a bird's eye view of what God is doing in the middle of our confusion, in the middle of unexpected, in the middle of our suffering and our loss. And so I think it's a perfect place to start today. Maybe you find yourself in fresh grief today as you mourn the losses of dreams and longings and desires that won't be fulfilled here on earth. Maybe you're grieving actual sickness and death of friends and family that you love, or maybe you're just overwhelmed with the collective loss that our world is experiencing right now and it feels heavy and final and and sometimes it just feels like too much. Friday might be hitting really close to home right now. Or maybe you find yourself right in the middle of Saturday. Saturday, when you're waiting, when the loss is setting in, when your mind is finally starting to process the finality and the weight of all that's happened. Maybe you're looking around going, but God, you said, God, it's not just my own desires that I'm grieving right now. I don't understand how this could possibly fit into the promises that you've made for me or for the world. And I think that Saturday actually offers us a gift. Saturday let the people who followed Jesus sit in their confusion and their grief so that we could have a connection in ours. From what we understand, there was no formulaic reason or amount of time that Jesus had to stay dead for three days to accomplish his mission. He didn't have to make it past sundown or sunrise or a countdown on the clock. He could have been raised at any moment and the atonement would have been just as fulfilled and just as complete. But Saturday came and went. God made them wait through the long day and night with no sign that he was moving and no signal of what was to come. They sat in their feelings and God gave them time to feel all the things, which probably does not feel like a gift to them, but might just be a gift for us. Because Saturday brought it all out. Saturday brought the reality of the physical death, the death of dreams, of a future. It brought confusion and misunderstanding. It probably brought finger pointing and blame and guilt and shame. They were consumed with grief and confusion. What has just happened? And ultimately despair. And when I started processing through what that day must have been like for them after walking through this season of my own grief, I realized they really were experiencing this triple loss, this triple grief. Because first of all, these were people who had followed Jesus so closely for so much of their lives, and they were grieving the loss of their friend, of their teacher, of their companion. This was someone they had spent a lot of time with, and they 
just missed him. They loved him. They were loyal to him. And they wept for the person that was now missing from their lives. Second, they were grieving the loss of all that they had given their lives to over the last three years. These people had, you know, left home and left careers and left families to follow Jesus. And if Jesus was dead, then what about all those things he had promised? What about all the things he had told them were coming? I imagine that they were asking how they could have been so easily fooled. What had they gotten wrong? And finally, they were grieving the future that they thought he was ushering in. These were the people that saw past the fact that he had shown up as a baby. They saw past the fact that he didn't arrive in fanfare and circumstance and pomp. They saw past their own expectation for how he would come and how he would lead. And so these people were convinced that he was the Messiah, that he was ushering in the future they had waited and prayed for for so long. And so when Jesus was dead, their future was suddenly ripped away. And what had been certain and close and secure was now empty and bleak and dark. And I think these three losses actually highlight three temptations that we face in our own even-if seasons, on our own Fridays, on our own Saturdays, in our own waiting and loss. The first temptation is distance. Suddenly God feels very far away, or maybe we just want him to be. On that Friday, they were suddenly and without choice separated from the friend that they loved. They didn't get a say in that. And Jesus himself was separated from God while he took on the full weight of our sin and shame. Separation was inevitable. So often when we're suffering and grieving, there's an unavoidable separation that happens from the people that we love. Sickness and death and divorce and broken relationships and someone that doesn't love us back, those all come with separation that we don't always get a choice in. But we do choose whether or not we shift that separation and that distance to God. Not long after Imogen died, I was sitting meeting with a counselor and she asked me this question. She said, how would you feel if Jesus walked into the room where you're sitting right now? And honestly, when she asked me that question, my immediate reaction, my body started to tense up and my heart started beating fast. And I actually started to get a little panicky and a little bit uncomfortable because the truth was, I wasn't sure I wanted Jesus to walk in the room where I was right then. I wasn't sure I wanted him to come close. I was not sure I wanted to have to look him in the eye. And full disclosure, I left that appointment saying, I wasn't ready for him to walk into the room. Maybe it feels like God has forgotten you or abandoned you, or maybe it feels like he's caused you this pain. It's hard to let someone comfort you when you believe they've wounded you, when you believe that they've withheld from you or pulled one over on you. And it's that belief that causes the distance to grow. And that leads us to the second temptation that we face, deceit. Months later, after Imogen died, I was processing with another counselor and I was able to articulate with her that what I actually felt about God right then was that he had tricked and deceived me. See, Imogen was the answer to prayers that I had been praying for decades. I had been praying for this child for years and years and years. And so when we found out we were pregnant and that prayer had been answered, it was the fulfillment of so many desires and so many promises I believed God had made in my life. And in fact, when we were preparing for her birth, we chose her name, Imogen Dorothy, which means our daughter is a gift from God because we wanted to mark her with our thankfulness. 
And this wasn't a, like, what if you woke up tomorrow with only the things you thanked God for today kind of thankfulness. This wasn't a, like, obligation thankfulness. We were so overwhelmed with gratefulness for what God had done that we wanted to mark her. We wanted her name to acknowledge our thankfulness. And we shared with people all around the world, look what God has done. Look how God has answered this prayer. Look how God has fulfilled this promise. Look how God has given us this gift. And so when she died, it felt like God had completely manipulated us, that he had somehow manipulated us into giving that thanksgiving to him, that he received our worship and our praise for this gift, knowing the whole time that we didn't get to keep it. And it felt like a bait and switch, like he had dangled this carrot in front of us and then pulled it away at the last moment. And actually, I felt foolish for ever thinking God would have given me this gift. One of the biggest emotions I had to process through was my own foolishness. How could I have believed God would be this good? How could I have believed God would answer this prayer? How could I believe that this would have happened so easily? And I imagine the disciples felt much the same way. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had left families and careers and homes and jobs and opportunities. They'd given up everything for this man who had called himself the Messiah. And now as far as they could see, that couldn't be true. And so when life doesn't match up, when what we see doesn't match up with what we've believed, the temptation is to change our beliefs to match what we see, which actually misses the entire definition of faith. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter 11, that the definition of faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So even though your circumstance looks entirely different than you would have expected or chosen, even though it might feel right now like you've been believing for a lie, if your beliefs are rooted in the promises of God, in the word of God, then you won't be put to shame. But the temptation might still be there. Maybe you're believing for something that you're still waiting to see and it's taking forever to come. Or maybe you've believed for something that now feels impossible to ever see here on earth. If that's where you find yourself, you're actually in pretty good company because Hebrews 11 goes on to list these heroes of the faith who God used to build the foundation of his story. And it lists name after name after name. And it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Noah, it lists all of these people by faith. And then it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers here on earth. And when I read those words for the first time after Imogen was born, I suddenly had this thought that maybe I could be counted among those people who believed even though they never saw it in their lifetime. Maybe my faith could outlast my life. That I didn't need to feel foolish for believing a promise from God, even though I might not see it fulfilled here on earth or certainly was not going to see it fulfilled in the way I had expected because my eyes could be so fixed on heaven that fulfillment there is my ultimate desire. And that might sound like a cop-out because that didn't actually take away my pain over Imogen's death. It, It didn't do anything to lessen my pain but it did start to heal those feelings of foolishness and shame because I realized that what I saw did not define whether or not God was fulfilling the promise. 
Your faith in God's word will never put you to shame. And your thankfulness for God's gifts will never come back void. The last temptation we face is despair. To see the future with no hope. For the lifetime you have to endure without the person, for the milestones they'll never reach, for the celebration you'll never get, for the chapters that won't be written and the dreams that have been lost or stolen, for the story you thought you would live and for the suffering we have to endure, for the unknowns that might make this thing worse. To be clear, there's a difference in sadness and despair. Sadness acknowledges a very real feeling in our life right now. But despair gives up and gives in and sees the world with no hope in it. My future has never felt more bleak than it did the moment that we had to leave the hospital without our baby. There came a moment after praying and believing for a miracle over her life that we had to accept that our prayers for resurrection were not going to be answered here on earth. And so our family had all left and the nurses told us we could take all the time we needed to say goodbye and then to let them know when we were ready and they would come back and take Imogen to deliver her to the men who were taking her to the funeral home. How do you decide when you're done saying goodbye? It was the only time when we handed Imogen over to the nurses, it was the only time that anyone besides myself and Peter ever held her here on earth. And I cannot describe to you the agony of that moment. We had delivered Imogen on Friday. We said goodbye to her on Saturday. And so I know the agony of despair, how bleak the future felt on that Saturday so long ago. Except now, we know what Sunday was going to hold. But in that moment, it was Saturday through and through. So let me just be really gentle for a moment because I want to make it really clear that the invitation here is not to boss yourself into denying your feelings, into hiding your hurt or putting on this false optimistic outlook. The gift of Friday and Saturday is that we get to acknowledge these feelings are real and they're valid. God does feel far away or maybe we just want him to stay far away. We do hold honest confusion over how things are unfolding and the future does seem uncertain at best and hopeless at worst from our temporal earthly view. We're sad and we're disappointed and we're confused and we get to own and acknowledge that all of that is true. Sunday just means that we don't have to live there. Because Saturday wasn't the end of the story. As final as it felt, as impossible as it seemed, God was working in ways that no one could see and no one could have imagined, even if they'd been told, which they were. Jesus tried to tell them. And even when he told them, they couldn't imagine. Saturday felt final. But then Sunday came. Morning broke through. And when they least expected it, when they thought it was too final and too late, Jesus fulfilled every promise that had ever been spoken and every one that was to come. He rose from the grave, defeating death and becoming hope and giving us the certain confidence that no matter what we face here on earth, our future is settled and secure. 
He sealed promises over your life and over the lives of your family and your children. He answered prayers that have been echoed for generations and the ones that had yet to be breathed. His resurrection means we'll get to see Imogen again. It means your suffering will end. It means healing will come one day in heaven, if not on earth. It means we can have peace in the unknowns and it means that the story is written. It is finished. It means that the finished work of Jesus is rescuing us from our sins and restoring us as his children. It means that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, not even our own pain. There is no distance. It means our faith will never be put to shame. God has not deceived us. And it means our future is certain and secure, so we do not despair. Launching this podcast this week is the most fitting way I can imagine of beginning this journey of becoming even if people. Because this is the week that secures our hope and strengthens our stance. This is why we can stand firm. Because the earth may be shaking, but it isn't shaken. The ground proved solid once and for all. But if today feels like Friday, when the earth stopped turning, it's okay to acknowledge that pain. If today feels like Saturday and you've been waiting forever and it just keeps dragging on and you don't see any way the future could ever be good, well, that's, that's okay too. Because the death of Friday and the delay of Saturday give way to the defeat on Sunday when death was conquered, victory assured, and hope secured. And that's why we can stare down whatever circumstance we face and with confidence in our voice and resolve in our hearts, declare, even if. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Even If. My prayer is that even if your knees are weak, today's episode offers you enough strength to keep standing firm. If this message resonates with you, or if you know someone who needs to borrow a little strength of their own, there are two ways that you can help spread the word. First, leaving a rating and review will help people find this podcast when they need it most. And it lets me know that people are listening and joining in. Reviews are super important in the podcast world, and I'd be so grateful if you'd take 30 seconds to rate and review. Second, spreading the word on social media helps get this message out farther than I ever could on my own. So please feel free to share this podcast and tag your friends that would love this as much as you. I always continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at kelly.strife if you want to join us there. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure these episodes show up automatically in your feed each week. See you back here next week for the next episode of Even If.